Today on Locked On Canadians, we will have to talk about that Florida game, but we are going to also spend a lot of time on Nick Suzuki. Is he the team's next captain? Is he the team's next star? Is he better than even we think he is? And finally, we're going to talk about the Rocket, how they're doing. We haven't done a prospects update. Well, we have. We've been doing a lot of NCAA prospect updates, so we will be doing more of a an AHL update, and that's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode 583 of your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, we are gunning for 500 subscribers. Please help get us there because then I will have to eat something extremely disgusting on video (laughs) and post it. Speaking of which, I'm Laura Saba. I'm one of your hosts, also known as The Active Stick. And I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matlow of Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm I'm tired. Uh, it has been a very busy day uh, between working, coming home, doing the Habs game, covering the Rocket game, and then uh, sitting down to record the show. It's been a uh, a very busy day. Unfortunately, out of it, uh, no wins to speak of. Unfortunately, so it is <laughs> what it is. So here's the thing with the Florida Panthers that I noticed is that they are a phenomenal phenomenal juggernaut of a team with extremely questionable goaltending which i really hope doesn't fall apart until after they have kicked the leafs out of the first round yeah the weird part about this game is that i left the room to go get something to drink and someone went hey are you at your computer they've already scored a goal and i went oh florida and he went no the habs have already scored uh i know the score line in this game says seven four but let's be honest here is that it the game was not – it should have been much worse than that, but the seventh goal was an empty netter, and the fifth goal, which was the game winner, was off of Mike Hoffman literally passing the puck to the other team. Uh, all things considered, Jake Allen was the better goalie than Sergei Bobrovsky tonight, and result or not. Uh, I don't know if you can ride Bobrovsky all playoffs, and hopefully Spencer Knight is better, but a weird trend I've noticed this year is that every Canadians-Panthers game – is stupid as hell uh, <laughs> to be very, very upfront about that is that the Panthers should smack the Habs away. The Habs should not be scoring four or five goals a game against the Panthers. And they do. And this goes back to something we've talked about again. The Habs were down 4-1. And that's when I switched my focus mainly to the Rocket game that I was covering. And then they came back and scored three goals in five minutes, including two seven seconds apart. They don't quit even when the odds are very clearly not in their favor. And I forget who said it on Twitter is that Martin St. Louis had to get this team, you know, to perform at all. And even their best is still a rough around the edges, not great team, but the efforts there again. And I know we keep harping on that. And people are probably sick of us saying that, but they're putting the fear of God into good teams when they play them. Cause you can't take a last place Canadians team lightly. It's not a pushover. You might win, but it's going to cost you along the way. 
I agree with that. And that's the thing with, with the Habs is that we were always okay with them, you know, tanking for a season, getting a high draft pick on all of that. But we weren't okay with the way that they were playing. And I have to admit that they were wildly outmatched against Florida tonight. That's very, very true. But they have refused to quit in every game that they've played. And, you know, we, we talked about it. I saw a lot of people talking about how they might have played their worst period under Martin St. Louis since, you know, since the coach change, coaching change. And that might be true, but they still were able to recover enough to do a couple of things like capitalizing on mistakes or, or suspect, suspect goaltending, which is something that you want to build into a team. You want to build it as a habit. You want to build that confidence, that drive, uh, and just that opportunism. Because when this team has a full roster of better players, a decent, you know, a decent defensive core, a decent forward core, you know, a, a deeper, I would say deeper, not decent. All of these players, God bless them. They're trying their best. And a lot of them might not just fit, you know, it might, that might be the, the issue here, but I personally think that these habits are amazing. And I was watching Game Over while you were covering the Rocket game with Andrew Berkshire and our friend. Uh, oh, <laughs> Andrew Berkshire is also our friend. And uh, Julian McKenzie, uh, both of SDPN. Uh, and also uh, Julian is at The Athletic. And they were talking about how Martin St. Louis, the way that he does things is he wants to instill one kind of habit. And then once they've mastered that, move on and add layers and layers and layers. So like that's part of his like whole concepts uh, situation versus systems, which I love. And 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 I think, you know, the way that he sees this is it's a long term project. So I think that kind of gives us an idea because, you know, we're going to move on to talking about the offseason in mere weeks. Right. Like there's one month of the season left and we're going to be talking about so many things but one of the things that we're going to be talking about is what is the front office going to do and in my mind what the front office is going to do is they're going to take that vision that they've discussed with martin saint louis and then they're going to find players to fit that and that might be a little bit risky because you know coaches are hired to be fired blah 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 but also when you are a fledgling team a rebuilding team with a lot of young players like raising them all to the same standard in the same way you can't go wrong with that because then that's going to be the patented Canadians system. And that's going to be, you know, you take a player out, another player comes in and that player is going to have to fit. If they're a cohesive unit, if they're playing a certain way, and if they are able to keep that together and kind of continue in that vein, I see success in the future of this team. And, and it's funny that you mentioned about being able to play in a, as a cohesive unit, regardless of where you came from. It reminds me a lot of what Joel Bouchard was doing with the rocket before uh, he left to go to San Diego is that his thing was he was very, this is how I want people to do things, good habits and effort and building on that. And you had it, you had weeks where he has ECHL guys in this lineup, but the efforts there and they're getting wins and they're battling hard. And we saw it in the Canadian division last year is that every guy knew their role and played it to a T and it worked out really well. And I, I like seeing what Martin St. Louis is doing with this. It's a very smart thing is that, Ducharme and Claude Julien and even Michel Therrien all had this issue is that, okay, I am putting you on this line. You are this kind of player tonight. Josh Anderson is not there to be a defensive stalwart. Mike Hoffman is not there to be a defensive stalwart. You know, you can't take Joel Armia and say you are a 30 goal scorer on the top line. Now putting people in the spots that give them the most success is how you build out of 
quite frankly, this crap hole of a season. And I feel very confident calling it a crap hole because it was terrible. And we wasted a year of a lot of young players uh, development. And I'm very curious now what the next step is. I know that he was only on a contract to the end of the season. He's the interim head coach. He is not the Canadians head coach long-term right now. And I'm wondering now if Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon go two years and then we reassess from where we're at. And if it might be a, then we move Martin St. Louis into like player development or something because his concepts can apply and work well there too. And I'm very curious to see what the next level is to this. And I know they're bad and they're in 32nd place. Thanks Toronto fans. I'm very well aware of that. I don't care because they're building the base to do something better. And as a launch pad for the future, you don't got to tell me the team sucks this year. I know I talk about them every friggin' day. Um, I can't handle them being terrible and not having a road forward. And now we're thankfully out of that swampy mess. That was Dominique Ducharme's tenure. And we're into somewhere that it seems to be, Hey, this is working. Let's do more of that. Speaking of things you should do more of, you should check out Built Bar if you haven't already. And if you have, you should check them out again all the time. We love Built Bar. They're one of our favorite sponsors. What is a Built Bar? It is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They're delicious. They are always high in protein, low in sugar. They're always made with real chocolate. And they truly do taste like a treat. I use them as breakfast sometimes. I use them before I go for my walk or my run. Uh, and Scott uses them when he goes hiking. We love them because they taste delicious. You know those protein bars you get? They always have like a beautiful flavor on the wrapper and then you open it up and you taste it and it the texture is like sand and the taste is like that whey protein taste. You all know the one I'm talking about if you've ever tried a protein bar. And Built Bar is not like that. It is delicious. They've got 18 delicious regular flavors and they always have a special edition, really yummy sounding flavor. Like for example, uh, just like we just had St. Patrick's Day a couple weeks ago, they had a special edition flavor for that. And then you thought, all right, okay, that's over. There might not be one, but no. Built Bar always has every week, every couple of days, there's something new, something cool, something delicious. And if you want to go and check them out, go to Built.com and enter LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's Built.com with promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. All right, Scott, I want to talk about Nick Suzuki. Now we always want to talk about Nick Suzuki on this podcast and we always have nightly praise for Nick Suzuki on this podcast, but for the first time in his career, he has hit 50 points in the NHL with plenty of games to go. Uh, and uh, he is growing into a player that I truly, I love watching after the game tonight, he took responsibility for playing badly, but when you look at him on the ice, he didn't play that badly, you know, and every time he calls himself out, every time he has a bad game, or sometimes he'll make one mistake and he'll call himself out on that, and then he'll rebound the following game, and he always admits, he always takes responsibility when he takes an inopportune penalty, he's always the first to say, I shouldn't have done that, or that was not my best game, or that was not my best play, my best move. And I truly, like, I just, I can't say enough good things about Nick Suzuki. He's a 22-year-old man displaying the maturity of I don't even know anymore like a veteran player and he's got so much to go still I am just I love Nick Suzuki 
I I keep looking at this and I go, man, it's going to suck that he's not in our top 25 under 25 soon. And then I realized, like you said, he's 22 years old, like, and he hit a new career high in points this year. He hit a top the 50 point mark for the first time in his career. And I know people are going to look at that and go, oh, only 50 points. He's making, you know, however much money it is, his new contract. But at the same time, He's he's closing in on just topping so many things, and he's just getting better and better every time we watch him play, whether it's just the way he reads things defensively, the way he's attacking in the offensive zone. Everything is just so smart up top, and he's getting better and better, and it's becoming less and less that the whole Patrice Bergeron comparison is you know, a little bit ridiculous because, quite frankly, I don't think it is anymore, you know, He's maybe not Selkie worthy right now, but as you get older and you learn the ins and outs and you learn player tendencies and intricacies, you become a much more talented player. And to be quite honest, Nick Suzuki's learning at an incredible pace. You know, he had back-to-back seasons of 41 points. He had seven points in 10 playoff games the first year, 16 and 22 last year. And had the Canadians made the playoffs this year, which barring some kind of catastrophic disaster of massive proportions is not going to happen. You can only assume he's going to continue to improve on that. Uh, his projected numbers on point on pace for 61 points, 22 goals, 39 assists. And I know the Canadian schedule is a murderer's row here, but he tends to play his best in games that are high leverage, high pressure And I would love to see if he can hit 25 goals or 40 assists this year. I think that'd be a huge, huge feather in his cap. And obviously a big part of that is Cole Caulfield on his line there. But it's so incredible to actually watch a budding, and I'm going to say superstar. I don't feel bad about saying superstar here right before our eyes because I cannot remember the last time we saw someone come in and just straight to the moon rocket like this besides maybe pk suban and carrie price which are very different players uh with different pedigrees coming into this and so i, w- I just want to talk about the canadian schedule for the next couple of weeks it's basically cup contender juggernaut cup contender cup contender cup contender juggernaut cup contender and then like mixed in there is two cents games like <laughs> that's that's the schedule for the Montreal Canadiens for the rest of the season. It was it, it it would have been exciting if the Canadians were good, right? Like this would have been like the most fun time of the season having so many really good teams to match up against. But going back to Nick Suzuki, I've been asked a few times if I think he can carry the load as a first line center for the Montreal Canadiens and I do believe so, but I do think that He needs support. The second and third line centers need to be high quality centers. The Canadians need to do something about that depth because I think that Nick Suzuki gets the hardest minutes. You're going to have to take somebody who can dish out the puck, who can take some hard minutes when they finally do get back to the playoffs and everybody on the opposing team is covering Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield or and or Cole Caulfield, right? You're going to need another guy to put Caulfield on. Let's say you want to move him off that line to sort of free him up a little bit. So the Canadians do really need to work on their center depth, which is really funny because last year we were having a conversation about how there were too many centers and the center depth was too good. And where does this guy fit in? And now they don't have that anymore. And so... You know, uh, losing players is fine if you can replace them. And so I I think that should be a high priority for the Canadians. And I finally want to, like, my friend sent me a tweet um, saying, you know, so uh, I I think the tweet was 
Nick Suzuki is going to be the next captain of the Montreal Canadiens, but Joel Edmondson should be. And she thought uh, I should, you know, like like weigh in on this because she knows how much I love Nick Suzuki. So shout out to my friend Erica for sending me this topic idea. Kind of we wanted to talk about it a little bit. And I have to say, I love Joel Edmondson. I love him. And when he was coming back, when he was getting ready to come back into the lineup, I think it was Eric Engels that did an interview uh, with a lot of players. And he talked about what Joel Edmondson means to them. And he is a leader in the room. He's known to be a leader. He seems to be a really great guy. And when he was traded uh, to Montreal, you know, people from Carolina, which is where he previously was, were like, you're going to love this guy. And then people from St. Louis, which is where he was before that, where he won a cup, talked about, oh, you're going to love this guy. And I do love this guy. I think, I think, you know, the team loves him. I think he's definitely sort of taken even even through you know he's had a really rough season he lost his dad this season he like and he was injured for most of it he still was part of the team and he still was taking the younger players under his wing and sort of parenting them a little bit um and introducing them to the lineup and i love that there's leadership you know in him like the canadians have kind of had a vacuum while he's been out of leadership given who they've lost but i think that and this is, I think, the crux of the of the matter is, should a star player be your captain or not? Because Nick Suzuki is going to be one of the, the star players on this team. There's no question about that. I, I look at it this way, is that the Canadians are continually talking about moving forward and planning for the future and doing things like that. And with all due respect to Joel Edmondson, yeah, he's here for this season and two more beyond this season. But Nick Suzuki signed here for eight more years starting this off season. And he's a guy that Josh Anderson and Joel Edmondson and Carey Price and just everybody has talked about having that quiet leadership ability there. And sometimes that's what you need. Yeah. Having Shea Weber, angry face dad on the ice is a good thing. And Brendan Gallagher wears his heart on his sleeve, sometimes to his detriment, but sometimes you need that calming presence. And I, I look at this team next year and I go, you have, Nick Suzuki is your team captain. I have no problem saying that whatsoever. And then you have Joel Edmondson, Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson, and then probably uh, one of Paul Byron or one of the other veterans who would be here still as your alternating A's. You do home and home and away alternate captains. And I think that gives you the leadership core that you're looking for. And a lot of people and I understand that Brendan Gallagher is someone who probably could have been named captain over Shea Weber and it wouldn't have been a big deal. But I I don't know why um, it, it feels tough that I that we, they can't give it to him. But I look at Nick Suzuki and I go, this is the guy that's there for the future. And Brendan Gallagher is, you know, his deputy on the side there. I know that he's older, but he's the grizzled kind of veteran there that yeah, Nick Suzuki's not going to take any crap, but we know Brendan Gallagher will be the first guy to jump headfirst into any kind of scrum to defend any of those young guys out there. Same with Josh Anderson, same with Joel Edmondson. He did it against Tampa tonight. I thought he was going to murder Mackenzie Weger, and honest to God, that last game of the year, Joel Edmondson's not going to forget that, and I, I, uh, I look forward to that, but the good news about the Canadians right now is that we're not going, well, I guess that guy can be the captain then. We're looking at this and going, there's this choice, there's this choice, there's this choice, and there's this choice. There are no wrong choices. Like when they named Max Pacioretty captain and you had Andre Markov and P.K. Subban and Thomas Placanitz as alternates. That's 
a leadership core you can build around and it's here for the future. I absolutely agree with you. And I just, I think about it kind of like, you know, in the simplest terms is that Nick Suzuki is going to be here for eight years after this. Joel Edmondson's only going to be here for two years after this, right? So, and there are a lot of teams where having like not the star player, but that leader be the captain where it works. And then there are other teams where, you know, you name Brady Kachuk captain, even though he's clearly slightly unhinged. Um, and uh, and and I, I love that uh, somebody was like, imagine you like work really hard, you make it to the NHL, you're a veteran, you get traded to a team and... Brady Kachuk is your leader that you're supposed to emulate. So I think part of part of the reason that uh, we we think that Nick Suzuki is probably going to be named captain is because he's got that 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 leadership by example, and you know, the, like some organizations put a lot of emphasis on that. And I think like more I more than who's actually going to be the captain personally for me, what's more important is who's going to be the center depth of the Canadians and. Speaking of the center depth, maybe the solution is in Laval. And in just one moment, we are going to talk about how the Laval Rocket have been doing lately because we have been woefully neglectful. All right, Scott, you've been covering the Rocket, even though we've mostly been talking about NCAA prospects for the last few weeks. And uh, there's been a lot going on in, in the Habs organization. So we have kind of sort of let them fall by the wayside. So tell me, how is Laval doing lately? Uh, as of right now, they were sitting second in the AHL's North Division standings there. Uh, as I looked at it, they, tonight's game, I believe, has, yep, has gone in. Uh, they sit at 30, 21, and 5. Uh, they lost in a shootout to the Manitoba Moose tonight in a game where Caden Primo was uh, very, very busy. Um, it was not the best performance from the team. Uh, they're still sitting pretty well clear of third place right now. And if the playoffs started today, it would be uh, the Rocket playing the Toronto Marlies in a series that I don't think either fan base is really truly prepared for because every single time these two teams play, it's very, very stupid. Uh, they, uh, I believe that their uh, magic number was 27 as of this morning. So they did 27 more points in 17 games. Uh, they got one point tonight of 16 games remaining. So I believe it should be down by a point, but the playoff primer will be out in the morning. And the biggest thing about the Rocket is they're doing it balanced across the board here. I have their... Uh, Elite Prospects page pulled up. It hasn't been updated with the games from tonight yet, which makes sense. Uh, but Rafael Harvey-Pinard leads the team in total scoring. He's got 38 points in 52 games. Uh, Jean-Sebastian D is up to 34 points on the season. And uh, Jesse Yolanen is up with the uh, Habs right now, but he's got 30 points in 45 games, and he's slowly becoming a really nice, balanced offensive attacker there. But just across the board, it's balanced goal scoring. There's not one guy who is just running away with it. Uh, Harvey Pinard has 16 goals. Uh, Day has 19 after tonight. Yolanin has 12. Kevin Waugh has 11. Donick Martel has 12. Uh, Jean-Francois Houle has them playing a really nice, balanced game across the boards here. And they're finally getting healthy again, which is a nice cascading effect down to the ECHL where some of those guys can actually go back and play in a league they should be in. Uh, Lucas Vedemo returned from injury tonight, uh, and Alex Belziel is expected back by the weekend when they get to Abbotsford for a pair of games. So uh, given the amount of bodies that have been moved in and out, have been injured, have been out due to COVID and this and that and up with the Canadians, 
to be sitting second in one of the most competitive divisions in the AHL has been really strong work. And outside of something catastrophic happening, uh, it looks like there will be some postseason hockey somewhere in the Canadians organization uh, going into uh, later this spring and into early summer. I think one of the things that I really like about the Rocket being good in the last couple of years is that playoff action that they they get to see. We've talked a lot about how this team has had failings on the development end, and that is true, you know, in the last, I'd say, prior to when Joel Bouchard came on scene. There were a lot of players with potential who may or may not have had their potential wasted. And I think when you have an organization with a philosophy that they're going to prepare players with good habits, you know, good, good systems or strong systems. I know, I know we're not saying systems anymore. We're saying concepts. I know, but you know what I mean, right? Like if you, you're prepare, you're preparing players in such a way that they know what they need to do to get better. I think that's so important for a young player. And so part of it is playoffs and it's not just playoff success, but playoff heartbreak, because if you don't make the playoffs at all, you don't get to experience that intensity. You don't get to experience that grind. You don't get to experience those, those, you know, um, those series against hated rivals. But when you do, and there's more at stake rather than trying to just make the big club or, or something like that, like to me, I find that it it gives you additional psychological skills to prepare you for 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 playing in a higher league but I also like it's fun for the fans. I think we we talk sometimes about how much of a big impact it's had moving the team the the AHL team to Laval, but it's such a good time. I don't know if anyone who's been listening has gone to 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 Rocket Games, but I highly recommend it. You just hop on the metro and you get there and there's so much fun and it's just like it's so good to have in this community something to cheer for when the Canadians are not in the playoffs so I really do hope they make it it does look pretty good for them especially with all the players coming back and I'm just I'm I'm just really happy about Laval right now yeah and, and it's like I look at this team is that it's you know Yolanin's the big star name Caden Primo is Josh Brooks been injured on and off and apparently he's coming back for the game Wednesday night when you're listening to this which is you know, just incredible, but like, there's not a ton of, there's not the sexy prospects there. Like there was Cole Caulfield there for a little bit last year and a little bit this year. Uh, Ryan Paling was called up this year and then he's obviously been injured in the NHL. Uh, Matthias Norlander there was there for a handful of games. Then he went back to uh, Sweden uh, as they agreed on and they're doing well. Like I, I, it sounds boring to say that, but the AHL is about finding this weird mix of veterans who fit your system. A guy like Tori Dello, who has 14 points in 43 games, is arguably the, been the Rockets' most important defender. He's plus 21 on the year, which is second on the team. And I know plus minus is kind of a BS stat, but the next closest defenseman is plus 12 in half the same amount of games. So something is working well when he's on the ice there. So the entire team is just unexpected contributions. And uh, as Andrew Zadarnowski pointed out on Twitter earlier today, because we had talked about it in Slack is that Arbor Jack, Jan Meshack, Caden Gooley are all eligible to join the rocket for their playoff run uh, whenever their CHL seasons end. And you may see guys like a Joshua Wah or an Xavier Simino, if they're eliminated from the uh, QMJHL playoffs, jump into this lineup too. 
there's going to be bodies to spare and it allows Jean-Francois who will the ability to rest some of his regulars, try out some of these young guys and, you know, prepare for the playoffs as best he can. I'm really, really intrigued to see uh, what the next couple weeks hold because it's a lot of North division games. It's going to be down to the wire there. It's a close division, but if you're in Montreal and you can't get, afford tickets to a Habs game, you can't go to a Habs game, hop up to Plas Bell. The tickets are cheap. The experience is great. The arena is supposed to be gorgeous. It is. It's really nice. I'm extremely jealous. I haven't been able to go due to COVID and other travel restrictions. So uh, please check it out. Go support the team. If the playoffs are coming to the are coming to Plas Bell, be there, be loud, and make yourselves known. It's a it's a great time, and it's arguably the best value ticket in town. I, I would I would absolutely agree. So before we leave off for today's episode, the Canadians announced a little bit before we started recording that Jake Evans has been injured, uh, has an upper body injury, but he's doing fine in his day to day. So I think that's the best we can hope for. In the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can also subscribe on YouTube. As we said, when we hit 500 followers, I'm going to have to do something extremely gross. Um, I'm going to have to eat or drink something extremely gross uh, on video. And uh, in the meantime, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at LO underscore Canadians. You can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matla. You'll find me at The Active Stick. Please email us your thoughts at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also leave comments in our YouTube and we will answer your questions or use the topic ideas you suggest. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey because they have been absolutely killing it lately.